HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome to life's, uh, <laughs> don't <laughs> choke on your water. <laughs> Finish your sip. Finish I your finished sip. it. Swallow. Welcome to life. Leave that in. Welcome to life's <laughs> a banquet, an unhinged podcast about stuff with me, your host, Frank Stallone, and me, Sylvester Stallone. Do you think they're friends, Frank and Sylvester Stallone? I don't know. I thought that we'd looked it up and they're like, not friends? They're definitely brothers, but maybe well, yeah. they're not friends. Well, like, is Clint Hanks friends with his brother, the other Hanks brother that's an actor, <laughs> Colin? Clint Hanks. You mean Chet <laughs> Hanks, you fucking idiot? Oh, yeah, Chet Hanks and... <laughs> Colin Hanks? Yeah, but if you mix Colin and Chad together, you get Clint, so it's fine. <laughs> Clint Hanks. <laughs> the lost Hanks brother that nobody talks about. Clint. He's the country music star. <laughs> Clint Hanks, yes. Famous. Secretly famous. famous he changes the name. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, Frank Stallone, I, I mean, I think I've probably mentioned this on the podcast before, but I used to love when Norm MacDonald on Weekend Update would be like, and this week, People Magazine revealed that Sexiest Man Alive, and at the top, you guessed it, Frank Stallone. <laughs> like, everything would be Frank Stallone. <laughs> Just, like, randomly picking on this man. Apparently, um, he has a podcast, not Frank Stallone. Sylvester. Uh, Clint Stallone. Clint Stallone. No, the guy from the SNL. Norm MacDonald? But he's dead. Oh, right. Who am I thinking of then? Kevin Nealon, maybe? What's the difference? Uh, well, Maybe he has I, a podcast from Beyond the Grave. That would be amazing, a ghost cast. I love Norm MacDonald. I mean, there is a podcast with like Dana Carvey and David Spade, which I wish was better because I do think Dana Carvey is probably like the funniest person ever to live. But it's even more awkward than this podcast, if you can believe it. That's hard to believe. But no, it's Kevin Nealon, I guess. He was on the Weekend Update. He would be like, yeah. I'm Kevin Nealon, and that's news to me. Yeah, I think that's the podcast I'm thinking of. I haven't actually listened to it, but I heard that it's potentially good. <laughs> I like Kevin Nealon. I have no problems with him whatsoever. Okay, and that's our podcast. And goodbye. <laughs> and good night <laughs> and good luck. We like Kevin Nealon. We like Norm MacDonald slightly better. Unfortunately, he's passed away. We like talking about and bye. many years old former SNL cast members. White male <laughs> SNL cast members. You know who else was great? Phil Hartman. But that's the truth. He was. Yeah, he was. What a great guy. He should have a podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> Somebody get this man a podcast. What's that? He's dead? Okay. <clears throat> to the graveyard. Anyway, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Um, how am I? Let's see. How do I answer that? I think I'm okay. I feel quite tired. I've been doing, just in case anybody didn't know, I'm like, the I like don't like my birthday, but for someone who doesn't like my birthday, I really talk a lot about it. Um, <laughs> so it was my 39 millionth birthday um, <laughs> this past Thursday, and I had a, like, a nice weekend. Um, what did you do? 
I went to go see uh, our good friend, shout out to Adam Golfer. Our friend Adam Golfer made a short film and it was showing along with two other uh, short films at the Jewish Cultural Center. And it was a beautiful film. I was so proud of him. And then last night, um, my friends took me to, Becky and Adam and Preston took me to Gage and Tolner for a fancy meal. It was very Ooh, special. That's amazing. Where Eight is onion that? rings. Mm. Where is okay. Gage and Tolner at? The In the city? Fulton Mall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really good. It was delicious. So those things were fun. Did your um, parents come over? They did, yes. My parents came over. My mom made shrimp salad and croissants, which was a fun combination. My grandmother used to always do shrimp salad on a croissant, which if you, I know, Nicole, this for you is a no-go because you don't like shrimp, and I can't imagine you'd like a ton of them in a salad. <laughs> no, like I a, sound, I'm With mayo and raw onions. <laughs> no, there's raw onions too? Yeah, it's like your actual nightmare. Is it like a breakfasty thing or like brunchy no. thing? I mean, you know what? Who's to say you can't have it for either? However, <laughs> I'd really, I would recommend it for lunch. If anyone's out there with a big bowl of shrimp salad, just wondering when's the perfect time to eat it, I'd say mm, one o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> no later than one. <laughs> and no earlier than 1230. You don't want um, to be an early dinner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like eating during the day how do you feel about day eating I know we're kind of like on the same tip yeah especially because I work at night so I'm not usually very hungry during the day so I'll usually just eat I usually only eat like one meal yeah I think it's probably bad for my metabolism but what can I, I like do this at this stage of my life it's practically over yeah Why change? towards your end your end years um yeah I prefer a lot I mean a dinner I'm a dinner person yeah I do snack during the day Oh, yeah, of course. I just ate a little chunk of cheese. Gouda. <laughs> Good aged Gouda. I just had a little bit of cottage cheese. Big dairy oh. day for us. <laughs> Big dairy day over here. <laughs> um, what What are you drinking in your coffee cup over there? Um, this is just straight um, brandy, actually. <laughs> mm. <laughs> it goes down smoothly when you drink it out of a coffee cup. Yeah, and then it's no a one will know. On the train it's a and brandy it. and vodka. Ew. It's a Long oh Island God. iced tea. No, but uh, f- um, somebody that we know, I won't all let them rename, remain nameless, <laughs> posted an Instagram video the other day. This person is, you know, maybe having an interesting time in life, but they posted an Instagram video of them drinking a vodka and beer. What? Why? I don't know. Alcoholism? I guess they were trying to do their best Bukowski impression. I was like, this is wacky. A vodka and beer. I like Amaro and beer for sure. That's a great combo. But Is it? Yeah. Together? Yes. In the same glass. Amaro and beer is like a thing. Also, when we would go to Ops, um, Marie would sometimes bring us little, at the end of our meals, little beers and bring and put Amaro in them. That's right cool. I've never seen that before. You were there, I feel like, when I had one last time, 30 years it's, ago. It's possible, but I don't remember it. Yeah, you just <laughs> blanked so it's it like out it never you. happened. Also, Campari and Miller High Life had, like, a thing this summer. People were, like, doing that and putting it on the internet. No. Yeah. I, that's not, that doesn't sound like it's for me. I can't. It's probably, yeah, because it's bitter, and, the you know, High Life is very light and bubbly. So it's like so a spritz trim. That's fair. I do I'm here really... for it. I support it. You know what? I don't know why I'm being so judgmental. Those are two things that I really like. I like Campari and I like High Life and I'm not really like fussy. I'll try anything once or twice. Anything, folks. All right. Well, you better try that right after your brandy and vodka. Mmm. A brandy and vodka breakfast smoothie. There's spinach. There's celery juice in here too for good measure. Is it warm? Mm -hmm. Warm celery juice, vodka, and brandy. (laughs) In a coffee cup. Yum, yum, yum. Sounds like Something you would drink during prohibition. <laughs> yum, 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 yum. Um, speaking of prohibition, did you know that Mark Anthony got married this weekend? Mark Anthony from the ancient Roman? No. The JLo's ex-husband. Oh, who did he get married to? I don't know, some lady. She's 23 years old though, and he's 54. <gasps> what i mean this isn't surprising it's like that happens all the time but i'm just like what do you guys talk about 
Well, I know because so I was talking to another friend of mine recently about dating younger men, and she was like, "Well, the problem is that he doesn't get any of my references." And I'm like, "I know." I'm like, "How do men deal with that?" I guess they don't really need their partner to get their references. That's what their like man cave men or friends are for. <laughs> and then yeah. the woman can just be like, "They don't really care." I guess it's just—is it true that they just don't really care what we say or understand? <laughs> it's very possible. I mean, I was talking to a younger person, they're 33, and it was like, yeah, we were talking about who are if we were a um character from TV who would we be? And I said I would be Alf, and they said, "Who's Alf?" Yeah, they don't know. The young kids don't know about Alf. But isn't Alf just part of like the zeitgeist like a I think he co- just, like, like, went pop away. Pop culture? Not anymore. I, I know, but, like, 33 is, like, I think too old to not have any idea who Alf was. And then I asked this other person that I work with who's 26, and they knew Alf. And the 33-year-old guy knows other things. It's not like he's totally ignorant. But I was like, this is a major blind spot. I'm not sure we can get past this. Well, okay, here's the thing about Alf. It wasn't on for very long. And if someone's 10 years younger than you... No, they're um, six years younger than me. Well, they're 10 years younger than me. Oh, okay, fine. Um, they just missed it, you know? I know, but wouldn't you have, like, seen Alf? Like, I don't mean, like, do you remember Alf, like, watching it? Or do you remember having an Alf lunchbox? But you don't fucking have any clue who Alf is. You've never <laughs> been, like, what is that, like, Harry Red thing? You've definitely seen Alf somewhere. Alf is, like, part of pop culture. You, I, 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 found, <laughs> I couldn't believe this person didn't know who Alf was. I was fucking pissed. I'm right, not over did, it, obviously. When did Alf go off the air? But it doesn't matter is what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> there's so much Alf, like, there's so much Alf out there. Holy right? shit. It, it went off the air in 1990, so I thought it was more of an 80s thing. I mean, clearly it was, but I thought it maybe went off the air in 86, but that's the year that it came on the air. Right, but it's like saying, like, oh, the Ninja Turtles weren't on the air or something, so I don't know. I've never heard of them. Like, this person wasn't, I don't know. I'm, but see, I'm outraged. I, this, I just feel like it's a whole, it's the age range. Because this show came out from the years that I was a six to ten. Like a mm. six-year-old. And that person wasn't even born yet. And they were literally a newborn baby when it went off the air. So <laughs> their first, like, five years of their life, they didn't know what was going on. And then by right. then, Alf was kind of, like, out of the zeitgeist. <laughs> but you know about, like, the Fonz, right? Like, you weren't, uh, you weren't like, Yeah, but that was because of the reruns. days. But I Alf had reruns. I don't think that's true. That is true. Alf <laughs> is still in reruns. People, call into the show if you're as upset as I am. I feel like Alex Jones. I've never even listened to him, but I know he's like an angry person. Call into the show if you are as mad as I am about this Alf conspiracy. I think it's a conspiracy. It is Much a conspiracy. It's Alf erasure, and it must be stopped. <laughs> Alf erasure. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, God. But the reason why I was thinking about this age difference, which is like 30 years. They're 30 years apart, mm. right? Isn't that the math? If she's 23 and he's 54. Yeah, 31 years. <laughs> he already, like, has been married and divorced once before she was born. Yeah. <laughs> it's wacky. So, yeah, They're- so a 26-year-old asked me out on a date, and I was like, no, you're too young for me. But then I'm like, well, if Mark Anthony can do it, I guess I can also do it a hundred percent and this is what i'm gonna say to you as someone who a few years ago dated a 26 year old when i was like 37 um or 36 you should definitely do it why do you need to have like gross old dudes with like (laughs) boring problems and back pain when you could have be having sex with a hot 26 year old do you know what i'm saying what's the point (laughs) you deserve that you deserve a this bud's for you do you know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, his name is Bud, too. That's weird. Um, That's wow. Is, is it really? It's not. No, it's not Bud. <laughs> Bud. It's Bud from I'm Married with Children. <laughs> hey, I'm Bud. You want to do it? <laughs> I think you should go for it. And I think you should really, like, relish in the fact that, like, that's fun. And 26-year-olds, like, aren't yet as, like, jaded and don't have, like, a saggy of balls. Yeah, and they're not, like, stuck in their, like, permanent bachelor ways. 
Exactly. Single 45 year old, 40 to 45 year old dudes are like the worst people to date, especially if they've never <laughs> been married before, because they're just like, you know what I mean? There's, yes, I know rough. exactly what you mean. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I bet you don't. Stay away from those people. Yeah, I know. I got to skip straight to 50 or stick with the 20 year old. <laughs> yeah, go. Well, I mean, 50 is, yeah, even closer. <laughs> but then they'll die. The thing is, if you date like a 50 or 55 year old and maybe you like get married to them, then they'll die well before you and you'll get to have a whole second life without them. Right. And I can like eat, pray, love and all that stuff. Exactly. It reminds me of um, Best in Show and Jennifer Coolidge marries the like 90 year old guy and like they're being interviewed like, what do you guys have in common? She's like, we both love soup. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, Soup Uh, is good. Who doesn't like it? I'm going to make soup today. What kind? This like black bean and rice soup that I saw on the internet. And I'm like, I must have it. That sounds very delicious. I made alphabet soup for the pop-up this week. Oh, I saw Or last week. It was cute. Do people eat it? Where did you get alphabet pasta from? You can get it, like, online. Um, Ronzoni makes it. So I got alphabet pasta. But I regret not picking out, like, funny letters and just, like, you know what I mean? Like, making it all, like, A's and S's. So when people were eating it, I would just say ass. (laughs) That would have been so time consuming. <laughs> I know, but it'd be so funny because they'd be eating ass. <laughs> they probably eat ass anyway, though. <laughs> <laughs> they sure do. <laughs> what did JLo have to say about this union? Do we know anything about her feelings about it? No, all we know is that one of their mutual children did not attend the wedding in Miami. <clears throat> so I don't know if that means that she's like upset because this woman is 23 and she herself is 14. Oh. So they're only like five years apart. I can't do math. Six years apart. But how many years is that? <laughs> uh, nine. <laughs> American. Yeah. So if they're nine years apart. Maybe she's stressed out about that. Um, she's probably always also stressed out about the fact that her dad is going to die soon. He's fifty-four. <laughs> um, and then this twelve-year-old woman will be her evil stepmother, controlling <laughs> all of the Mark Anthony well, assets. Yes. Hopefully, there's a. <laughs> prenup or tight will going on there it means when this woman was born like mark (laughs) anthony was like 31 and he's like look at that someday i'm gonna fuck that baby and marry it (laughs) (laughs) a fully grown man with a whole career Mm -hmm. Ooh, that baby's gonna grow up someday i'm gonna fuck it (laughs) yeah that is right (laughs) welcome to heritage radio (laughs) <laughs> a network about food uh, anyway. and <laughs> older men marrying younger women which is <laughs> a phenomenon that will never end <laughs> um should we get into our topic do we have any other updates any Affleck news i showed some people who hadn't seen at work who hadn't seen his back tattoo oh nice. and we all laughed and laughed they couldn't believe it i mean it's just insane it really is but let the man live. He's 50 years old. He's going to die in a couple of years. Yeah. He needs a new back. See, that's what you're avoiding by dating a man who's 26. They don't have a full Phoenix back tattoo yet. Well, I think that you're mistaken about that. <laughs> I guess In Indiana, there's a lot of, lot of tattoos. Mm. Um, can you get a back transplant? Could you get like a whole other back? I was hoping. Or maybe... <laughs> Get it lasered off, but it's so, like, colorful and everything. I feel like it would take thousands and thousands, and I guess he has thousands and thousands of dollars, so he can just do yeah. it and be fine. Who cares? I mean, yeah, like, who cares? But also, it's, like, it's so hideous. It's like he's wearing, like, an Ed Hardy t-shirt all the time. <laughs> like the mesh ones? Yeah. Yeah. He never takes it off. Now I want one of those. Um, mm. Well, our topic today sort of... I realize now, inappropriately, is pigs, but not the kind that wear uniforms. Um, <laughs> it is actual people. normal pigs, <laughs> innocently living their lives. Waiting and there's a get, difference. Yeah. Waiting to get eaten by us, even though they're highly intelligent animals. Um, so I decided I wanted to dig into 
Well, a lot of people have been requesting this because pork bellies, futures, um, they're just on the top of everyone's mind because they stopped being traded in 2011. So everyone is still <laughs> really thinking about them a lot and like wondering what is the deal with pork belly futures. Uh, the truth is there's not a lot of information on that or just the whole story isn't that long. So I had to then also switch to regular edible pork. I mean, they're both edible, but the regular types of pork belly you can also have in your meal. So get ready for this stupid informational <laughs> moment. Um, so <laughs> in the 1960s, things were different in the trading market or whatever the hell. Um, but eventually they realized that frozen pork belly was because in the sixties, bacon was not as popular as it is now. I know it's hard for us to picture a time when like bacon isn't just like saturated in our hole everywhere, but <clears throat> it wasn't the case in the sixties. So basically what would happen is people would freeze pork bellies in the winter time and then sell them in the summertime when the demand was higher. So that created something called futures. So essentially what that means is you're hedging against inflation because you're locking in a price when it's low demand. Um, mm. But you're creating a futures contract, which is a contract for assets bought at an agreed on price, but delivered and paid for later. Okay. Um, and essentially this was really big in the Chicago trading floor. Um, and apparently it was very risky and hectic and crazy. And, um, in also it just sort of like leaked into popular culture. Like it was in, like people talked about it all the time. Um, about pork belly futures. Mm -hmm, the height of the really? popularity was in the eighties. Um, and I remember like this, I just didn't understand what it was cause I was a child. Um, yeah, but there is a scene in trading places where, Eddie Murphy uses pork bellies as an example of how the market works in a pretty graphic way. Um, so go watch Trading Places, you guys. It's a great movie. That is a good movie. I haven't seen it forever. Um, yeah, so people made like tons and tons of money, like fortunes from this bizarre futures commodities trading. Um, the New York Times said that it was like a club. So if you knew about the pork belly trading, you could go down to the belly pit but they wouldn't trade with you until you like proved yourself. So you had to like get into the club. Um, I don't know. I guess you just like go down there and you're like, who goes, I understand how this works. And they're like, okay, fine. You can trade. They're like, fine. You have to like mainline this eight ball of cocaine in between your toes and then we'll see what's up. That's probably part of it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it was just like wild down in the belly pit. Um, a balding trader who wore a wig, they said that his wig could determine, you could tell what was going on with the market based on how messed up his wig was. So like, if it was, like, <laughs> if it was calm, then it was like calm. And if it was like twisted around sideways and the market was really volatile. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Um, and then one trader actually died right in the pit. He was just so stressed out because everything was so intense. He just perished. Oh my right God. There. Yeah. I've never uh, heard of this. And to be honest, when you said you were doing pork belly futures, I thought you were like kidding. No, I was dead serious. <laughs> <laughs> serious as a dead trader in the middle of the belly pit. Yeah. And now we all have to suffer for my decision. Um, but <laughs> the <laughs> other thing that happened is that eventually bacon became very popular. And the reason why initially it was so popular in the summer is because people were eating millions of BLTs and they're just never eating bacon again for the rest of the year. <laughs> Oh my God, weird. I know. They were like Easter brunch and BLTs were the only time people were eating bacon. But then obviously that changed and bacon became everywhere. The bacon lobby actually was partially responsible for this. They started being like, we need more, people need to eat more bacon. Um, so because it wasn't like something that was used only part of the year, the whole thing just collapsed basically so it was it didn't even make any sense anymore to have it as a futures commodity or whatever because people were eating it year-round so there wasn't like a drop in price in the winter and a raise in right. price it just kind of stayed the same price um so then in 2011 they were like you know what you guys we're not going to do this anymore and everyone was like we don't care <laughs> wow yes so then that's all i have so then i was like well i should look up more stuff so 
essentially, as I mentioned, just like bacon, pork belly was not as popular in like America. Um, obviously, it's always been around in like Asian and Latin cuisines and like Southern cuisines. Um, but in general, it was not a popular cut. And so it was often shipped overseas rather than being sold here. Um, but the bacon lobby and the bacon craze of the early aughts, which we all remember. Um, bacon, because, all bacon, everything. Yeah, there is bacon toothpaste. There is <gasps> bacon hand soap. Get out of here. I know, bacon toothpaste, that is sick. <laughs> it's really, it should be illegal. And also, like, I don't like the way that bacon smells when it's, like, lingering in my home. You know what I mean? Like, the no, leftover oily smell. Like, I don't want my hands to smell like bacon. No, of course not. You don't even really like bacon that much. I don't like, I mean, I appreciate it if it's not, you know, really crispy. Like, I don't hate it, but I definitely don't want it to smell like it. Of course not. But I remember, like, you know, remember that restaurant, like, that Dan used to work at, Char Number 4, that was on Smith Street? Yeah. Like, to me, that, like, epitomizes, like, the early aughts bacon craze. Yeah. Whiskey and, like, bourbon and bacon. You know what I mean? Yes. Bacon milkshakes. Yeah. Um, They also had, you know, like, bacon ice cream was also the thing. Everyone just had to put bacon in. And also the bacon-scented candles, which are still around. There's a bacon-scented candle currently at my restaurant. I threw it in the trash. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a bacon candle at the restaurant? How wacky. Does it smell like bacon? Why don't they yes. just cook bacon? It smells like bacon and it's really gross. <laughs> Rude. Uh, we want people to think that we're cooking bacon without actually having to spend all the money on bacon. <laughs> bacon. <laughs> um, so, yeah, along with the bacon craze, pork belly, you know, had a big resurgence or surgence in popularity. Yeah. Um as we all remember, um, part of it was the rise of like the new Southern cuisine, which was like, you know, kind of like fancy restaurants that serve Southern cuisine. Um, and a lot of people didn't even realize that pork belly was bacon, essentially, when it first came out. So like butchers were saying that like people would come in and be like, I want some of that pork belly that all the people are talking about. And they're like, you know, that's just bacon. And they're like, what? <laughs> that's so funny. Um, but then some butcher that the New York Times interviewed was like, well, it did help <clears throat> people understand more like where things come from on the animal and like that potentially could have contributed to people having more of a whole animal perspective instead of just coming in for like certain cuts and not buying the other kind. Right, um, right, right. I don't know if that's actually true, but we can hope. Um, eventually, it just became tired like the popularity waned because it was just oversaturated like every restaurant had it you know um people stopped even doing anything interesting with it and just kind of kept doing the same things over and over at one point arby's had a pork belly sandwich for five dollars and 69 cents which sounded was allegedly very chewy (laughs) (laughs) um and that kind of was like the end of it being like a craze you know obviously it's still in like a lot of korean and asian and you know latin cooking like traditional like dishes or whatever but um you know having it at every arby's in the nation is not a thing anymore right it jumped the shark at arby's yeah definitely did um and that's that's all i know about pork bellies you guys there's not a lot out there but everything that there is to know about it i just told you so don't need to research any further (laughs) <laughs> Amazing. Um, I use pork bellies when I make porchetta. Yeah. And um, I was like, was making yeah, the it. Yeah, Italian. Yeah. Yeah. I was making it for Thanksgiving for the pop up and like forgot that like you have to cut the nipples off, which to me feels very serial killer You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, and I don't mind. Like, I break down, like, I've broken down a million, not a million, but many, many a. A pig. I'm like Bradley Cooper in that movie, Burnt. I've broken down my millionth pig, and then I just ride my motorcycle into the... Does he say that in the movie? No, he shucks his millionth oyster in the beginning, and then he just leaves his job. He was, like, (laughs) helping at this oyster place, and then he's like, I did a million, goodbye, everyone. He doesn't even say where he's going. He just leaves. (laughs) Fucking asshole. Um, But uh, I still don't really like cutting the nipples off. It's weird. I don't mind. I've, like, shaved all the skin off a pig's face, like... 
done all the butchery, but like there's something about snipping off the nipples that just really kind of, I don't know, really gets to me your face. Your yeah, face. I don't like it. I'm just, I was also like, well, they have more than two nipples. So I was like, there's more. Yeah, there's a lot of nipples to cut off of there. <laughs> Next time I get it, I'm going to be like, can you guys just like cut the nipples off for me? Thanks. <laughs> They're like, you don't eat those? Yeah, no, I don't like the nipples. Um, that's a very interesting story. And it brings me back to a time. I mean, we used to do pork belly at Breezy. Actually, I was thinking this yeah. one dish we did one time. It was a piece of like braised and fried pork belly. Very whatever. But it came over like some yogurt. And then we put frozen raspberries on top of it. Well, so that it was, sounds like, amazing. The, it was really good. So it was like, the, and, like a drizzle of honey. So it was like the cold frozen raspberries like on top of the like really hot fatty. pork belly. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of, it was cool. That was like one of my favorite things that really sticks out definitely pork belly wise but yeah it's like a it was probably right like the trendiest ingredient mm-hmm. from like 2010 to like 2013 right it's just like yeah it would just be everywhere like it didn't matter the type of restaurant everyone would have pork belly on the menu yeah totally it was like the oat milk of yesteryear which i yeah. think would be great if we started having pork belly milk <laughs> yeah maybe we can try that out maybe but you need the nipples for that i would assume that's true. Pork milk. I dare somebody <laughs> to start a pork milk craze. I would love that. I would love to see how many people would catch up. I think that would catch on with. Pork milk, pig's milk ice cream. A pig's milk latte. I wonder why there aren't, like, why is goat cheese a thing and why is pig cheese not a thing? <laughs> I think there's probably a reason we should Google it. I do want to mention that this reminds me of something that I'm becoming that I've become extremely irate about. And I think I'm going to mention it. Is it, it Alf? <laughs> yes. Why doesn't this fucking guy know who Alf is? Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, fucking talking about in, like inflation, quote unquote, AKA price gouging. Um, uh, Baldor, you're on blast. Um, I went to go, I mean, Baldor used to do this thing where they would fix people's prices in on a menu of things you ordered all the time. Then they decided, they they told me like a month ago, they're going to stop doing it for smaller accounts, right? So yes. very similar to taxing everyone except for rich people. Um, so like Carbone still gets their prices. However, I now pay an exorbitant amount more. The other day I go to buy provolone cheese that we use every week, right? For like our mm-hmm. lasagnas. Good quality, but I'm not talking like some kind of like crazy provolone cheese, like just a nice product but like an affordable product probably used at pizzerias etc it used to be four dollars and fifty cents a pound i went to go order it yesterday it was twenty dollars a pound that's insane it's Does this has something to do with the egg shortage <laughs> no the, and there is no egg shortage and the provolone cheese shouldn't cost 20 you can't mark up ingredients twenty dollars a pound and yes this is an inconvenience to me and it's irritating maybe it would make me have to like change my business model or close my business but like really this is very fucked up because like right who loses at the end of this and Baldor is like the number one food supplier in New York City it goes down the chain to the fact that like it continues to push people who are working class and poor people uh, and food insecure people and people working multiple jobs to just afford to stay here you know if a slice of pizza then I'm gonna try not to raise my prices but the, my what I'm selling is kind of a almost a luxury at this point even though I think of it as approachable still like it's not as like approachable as like a slice of pizza so if right. someone can't afford to like now a slice of pizza is gonna get raised to four dollars a slice from a dollar fifty a slice or five dollars a slice for an average slice of pizza that's very fucked up right because like yeah this isn't some luxury product. It's not like, oh, the price of caviar is going up. You know what I mean? Like eggs, cheese, like this is really messed up. So uh, I don't know. I guess this is all just to say, like, just be aware um, and try to put Baldor on blast. We need to, we need to like have them. We need to, we need to break up big Baldor because they are a monopoly, um, honestly, like almost a monopoly in this city. And like, it's very fucked up that they can just charge people whatever they want and call it inflation when it's not inflation, it's price gouging. I just wonder why they're doing it. But unfortunately, they're also, you cannot probably use a pig milk cheese as an alternative because pigs don't like to be milked. And <laughs> who can blame them? Their milk is even gamier than goat's milk, apparently, and waterier than cow's milk. So I guess it's, just, it's not a, an appealing milk, but full of nutrients, it says, and fat. Wow, worse than pea milk, which had a moment, right? 
Yes. Pea protein milk? Yeah. Went with <laughs> pea milk. All right. Well, let's take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to talk about something about pigs. And just you wait. It's going to be very juicy, just like a pork belly. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Ugh, and we are back, folks, with more lava-hot, piggy-wiggy content. (laughs) Piggly-wiggly, giggly content. Now, I'm going to share with you a story today about a pig, a famous pig, if you will, this pig's name is, you guessed it, folks, Babe. <laughs> Babe. Oh, what are your memories of Babe, pig? It's a talking pig. It can talk to yeah. other animals. Mm-hmm. Maybe also to humans. I can't remember. Yeah. Um, just to other animals. And then that'll do pig. Spoiler alert. The final line of the movie. That's all I know. James Cromwell is a revelation in Babe. Uh, and I think he's also in Babe, Pig in the City. Now, Babe was originally known as Babe the Sheep Pig. Ah, yes. Because it herds sheep, right? Exactly. Exactly. It comes out in 1995. It's like a drama, but also kind of like a family movie. It's like... It's like five years movie. after Alf went off the air. This We're living in a post-Alf <laughs> world when Babe comes out. Okay? It's difficult for everyone. Um, there's also a sequel we're going to speak about called Babe, Pig in the City, which comes out three years later in 1998. Um, Babe, colon, Pig in the City. Babe, it's called Babe's colon. (laughs) 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 And you get a good look inside the colon of a little pig. Um, so I got my information today from Mental Floss article by Jennifer M. Wood, by a Diply.com article by Jordan Cleese, and of course wikipedia.com plus uh some reviews from google and amazon and a couple of professional reviews by one mr roger ebert um <laughs> thank you best in peace he needs a yes. podcast too <laughs> he does yes he needs to get on norm mcdonald's podcast <laughs> um okay so roger ebert says of babe now roger ebert fucking loves this movie and he also <laughs> but not as much as he loves babe pig in the city which yeah. many people didn't care for. However, he can't get enough of it. He loves it. Oh, really? People didn't like it? I thought yeah. it was universally loved. No, it's not. So one of the chief delights, this is Roger Ebert's uh, own words. One of the delights of Babe, indeed, is that it is such a clever little pig movie. It is rated, <laughs> okay, it is rated G. And yet all the people and most of the animals in Babe are smarter and more articulate than the characters in most R-rated movies that I see. <laughs> Okay, Roger Ebert, geez louise. I know. So then he goes on to say, the movie takes place in Australia where the hero, a young little pig, watches wistfully as all the other pigs are trucked away never to return. They are going to pig paradise, he thinks, a place so wonderful that nobody ever came back. But Babe is somehow spared the trip by Farmer farmer Hoggart, played by James Cromwell, America's sweetheart. Um, Although, is he British James Cromwell? We don't know. No one will ever know. There's no way to find out for sure. But his name is Hoggart. That's a little on the nose. I know. It's a little on the snout, if you will. Uh, (laughs) And so he likes him, and something passes between them and the faintest hint of a common destiny. Now, he goes on to gush over this movie. He absolutely loves it. But the very last bit of, 
uh, his review of Babe 1, says, note, do not, under any circumstances, confuse this movie with Gordy, another movie about a little pig. Babe is the one to see. There are two pig movies that came out in the 90s? In the same year, right? So then, of course, I'm deeply interested in Gordy. I've never heard of it. Me either. So I look up Gordy. According to Wikipedia, Gordy is a 1994 American family comedy drama directed by Mark Lewis about livestock piglet named Gordy, who searches for his missing family who are taken away to a slaughterhouse in Omaha, Nebraska. He so it's like the same movie? <laughs> it's exactly the same movie. He experiences the lives of others who are part of the film's plot, including traveling country music singer like Luke McAllister and his daughter, uh, a lonely boy, Hanky Ross, whose mother, Jessica, is engaged to a sinister businessman named Gilbert Sipes. Oh, no. Or he changes the lives of the people he encounters due to the ability to understand them. The film was distributed by Miramax, which I think is very strange, and features the song Pig Power in the <laughs> House by Tag Team. <laughs> <laughs> well, I certainly must listen to that as soon as possible. Yeah. Pig Power... Pig power, that's right. So it gets a 21% on Rotten Tomatoes, right? That's what it has as of right now. That's very low. Roger Ebert, though, as much as he said, like, he didn't like Gordy, he gave it, like, kind of a good review, which is, like, (laughs) not that interesting. So I'm not going to really read it. I'll just read the very last part where he says, pigs are not my favorite animal, but I'm aware (laughs) of the arguments that they're amongst the most intelligent of the barnyard animals they're smarter than horses, according to Johnny Carson, who had a long-running debate with this about Ed McMahon. Gordy, however, has a certain, uh, in parentheses, very limited charm. And the human story, <laughs> which has a single parents, Hanky and Jenny Sue, falling in love with country music, has a cornball appeal. Okay, Roger. Okay. Now, I went online to try to find some reviews of Gordy, assuming that they would all be terrible and people would be like, this is the dumbest movie ever. Spoiler alert, everybody fucking loves this movie, Gordy. No, there wasn't <laughs> was single or married negative thing that anyone had to say about Gordy, which makes wow. me want to watch Gordy. And to be completely honest, I watched a little bit of Babe yesterday and I didn't like it. Um, Babe's voice scares me. I know it's supposed to be cute, but it makes me frightened. <laughs> it's too cute. It sounds like a ghost. <laughs> It sounds like a ghost. <laughs> it's haunted. It's Does it creepy. sound like that? I can't I remember what it sounds like. It's, it's like a little like, kid voice, isn't it? Yeah, but it's like too cute. It's like almost too cute. It like hurts your ears. <laughs> and Babe as a, as a whole is too cute. You know what I mean? Like He's it's just very too much. Cute. It's too much for me to handle. Baby pigs are me. the cutest. Yeah. Pigs are absolutely adorable. And as we all know, delicious. And um, <laughs> great for trading. Um, okay, so here's some things you didn't know about, babe, because why would you? In total, 48 different pigs were bred for the film and each saw a little bit of screen time. So it was They're bred just, for the film? Yeah, they're like, we, you're going to be a star, kid. <laughs> 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 they only used one animatronic pig for the movie, but it was very scary. I looked at it yesterday. You do not want to see the inside of an animatronic robot pig, let me tell you. Okay. Um, even though we were meant to think that Babe was a boy, Babe is actually a chick pig. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, well... and Babe was 18 inches tall. <laughs> <laughs> well, how tall is he? How tall is she now? <laughs> uh, I mean, she just keeps growing. She's over like 75 inches tall. It's wild. <laughs> Pigs get very big, actually, and they can eat people. Pigs are, like, not as nice as you think. Like, if you throw... Remember there was, like, that one murderer who, like, kept throwing people in his, like, pig pen alive, and then pigs would just, like, eat people alive? Yeah, and Deadwood, they threw all the dead bodies in there so the pigs would eat them. Ugh. Okay. Babe was banned in Malaysia. Um, The country is home to a large Muslim community, and the powers that be didn't want to risk upsetting the cultural values of the people, but then it came out on VHS, so who knows? (laughs) Um, It was freaking nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, because it's so good. I don't like the, like, filmmaking of it. I, I was like, I don't like this movie. Well, but... you know, it's the year after Jurassic Park. Two years after Jurassic Park, people were like, what else could there be? Yeah. 
I wish they had made a talking dinosaur movie. That would have been much more interesting. Sorry, I'm about to yawn. I'm bored with my own story. I have a talking dinosaur TV show. Oh, yeah, dinosaurs. I loved that show. Okay. So this movie leads to a, it's so popular, it leads to a decrease in pork sales and lots of millennials and James Cromwell become vegetarian and vegan as a result of watching the movie Babe and Baby. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah. This year, the U.S. Department of Agriculture sold a stagnant demand for pork while retail sales of canned meat such as Spam hit a five-year low. This is probably why the bacon lobby had to make the early odds bacon craze happen. I mean, it's very possible. It's all linked. It all goes to the top. And sales of pet pigs goes up. Well, that's bad because people think that they're going to stay little and they don't. I know. And then you have like a massive pig in your house. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> um, okay. So now I want to talk a little bit about the movie um, Babe, Pig in the City. So Babe, Pig in the City is the follow-up to Babe. Comes out three years later. Some people like Babe, Pig in the City. Many people find Babe, Pig in the City to be disturbing. I didn't have it in me to watch it, but I think there's a lot of like animal torture. And it got some very, very nasty reviews on Google. But who directed it? Like a famous person. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure. Look it up. Look it people, up some people say Babe Pig in the City is one of the greatest movies ever made, like Paddington 2. Like well, yeah. Sequel, um, well, I'm going to tell you a little bit about a very famous director who has a thing for Babe Pig in the City. <laughs> and just uh, yeah, George Miller. I don't know who that is, but he probably has, he's Australian and I'm sure, oh, he did Mad Max. Oh, wow. That's wacky. Okay. How interesting. So here are some reviews of Babe Pig in the City from the, from the public on Google. This movie is a masterpiece. Watched it when I was a little baby and I remember I loved it. This one's a good review. Um, I watched it again 20 years later and wow, the life advice this movie teaches is an incredible movie for kids. It's funny and crazy for the kids and teaches the grand lesson for adults. Don't listen to the little snowflake reviewers saying it's too violent for kids or whatever. They probably shelter their kids so bad. Their their own kids don't even know what a full moon looks like. What? <laughs> the effects like a, really like hold butt? up. I know. <laughs> makes oh yeah like a butt the effects really hold up uh always made me wonder how they even filmed certain parts of the movie great watch okay so that's one positive review this person loves babe pig in the city unlike this person i hate this movie in all caps hate i hate this movie it's literally (laughs) sadness the entire movie all the way up to the last 25 minutes and i'm talking all caps sad I'm not one to find I'm not one to find sadness too easily when it comes to animals. This person is an animal torturer, but Jesus straight up abuse torture scenes of animals dying and going into heaven. One scene, the pig is outrunning a dog on a leash and the dog falls over a bridge and slowly show the dog being eventually lowered into the point where its head is underwater. And yes, the pig eventually saves it. But God damn, it looks like they use an actual dog for the underwater scene. There are no periods in this whole paragraph <laughs> they're um, too upset to put punctuation on the an actual dog for the underwater scenes and hanging scene as well exclamation point so many other terrible moments where i questioned if they'd actually used real animals or not and finally in these type of movies there's normally a few scenes of retribution after all the moments of loss but they've literally made the entire movie loss after loss after loss after loss and then the last 25 minutes are the pig getting things straight and right again it was so (laughs) frustrating to watch and it seems like the directed found pleasure in doing this to animals or something I hate, 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 hated this movie. Like, really, I'm not one to seek out a way to post reviews on movies, but I seriously hated this so much I had to write a review. (laughs) (laughs) On this movie that's meant for a young audience and involves so many depressing and angering moments. It should have been been enough lost when they missed the flight and how to go to the hotel. At that point, they should have turned the story around for good. Wow. Oh, this kid, I don't even know if they can handle watching Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Oh, my God. Okay, so then here's another very short review. What the actual heck? I watched about 45 minutes, and I'm ready to throw it in the trash. (laughs) I guess it's a VHS copy. (laughs) Like, wow, I'm speechless, and I would never recommend this movie to anyone ever. Okay. Okay. 
Jeez. Okay, now from Roger <clears throat> Ebert, though. His review, can the sequel possibly live up to it? It can and it does. In many ways, it's more magical than the original. Babe was a film in which everything led up to a big sheep herding contest in which a pig that worked like a dog turned into the best sheep pig of them all. Babe, Pig in the City, is not so plot bound, although it has required assortment of villains, chases, and close calls. It is more of a, a wonderment lolling in its enchanting images, original, delightful, and funny. I liked Babe for all the usual reasons, but I like Babe, Pig in the City more, not for any usual reasons, because here is a movie, movie utterly bereft of usual reasons. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Now, one more very famous director had uh, a moment with Babe. At the opening of Metrograph, um, there was a double bill put together by Noah Baumbach, and he decided to pair... Um, Eyes Wide Shut and Babe Pig in the City together oh, on a yeah. double feature. I remember that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. Which is cool. And so Noah wrote, when Jake asked me if there was a double feature I'd like to present at his new theater, I said, that's easy. Eyes Wide Shut and Babe Pig in the City. When Jake asked me if I would write something about them, I thought, I can't believe you're going to make me defend this decision. But here's a try. Both movies take place in strange alternative cities. Part storybook, part nightmare. I'd never been to these places, but I know what they are. One has a disturbing and harrowing chase scene that concludes with a pig rescuing, rescuing a deranged, drowning dog hanging upside down by a chain. The other has a disturbing and harrowing pot-induced marital argument in a bedroom. All I know is I get a similar hit off these two movies. They're so otherworldly that sometimes I doubt my memory of them. I feel like a dream. they were dreams I had as a kid or movies I once pretended to have seen. <laughs> so he's never even seen them. <laughs> yeah he's like i heard they were good let's do it anyway i like that's... that he's like i can't believe you're having me defend this decision that i made like dude that's like the whole point of me asking you to do this double feature like we want to know why you chose these you stupid idiot <laughs> well that was the pig episode um real quick top three favorite pig things nicole uh miss piggy i do like babe i'm sorry to say okay um and Ooh, Porky Pig? <laughs> hmm. Okay. Those things are good. Um, I like, oh God, this is going to be hard. Mm, uh, I like a BLT. Sure. I like um, uh, Kimberly the pig, who was a big pig that we knew growing up, and I would go see her at the farm. There's pictures <laughs> of me and Kimberly together. Kimberly. <laughs> Kimberly the pig. And I like, I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I like Higgill. Anyway, we're out of time, folks. Look at that. We've got to go. I can't remember what anything pigs else. Pigs in a blanket. Ah, pigs thank in. you. Pigs in a blanket. Okay. <laughs> uh, folks, thanks for turning, tuning into the pig episode. We'll be coming at you fast and loose next week with a brand new episode here on Heritage Radio. Hasta la pasta. Bye. Bye. Life's a Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.